welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Saturday morning, we're on the first Saturday of November, but the final Saturday morning for gardening for this year, Porrick. It's been a long Hard run, dear, hasn't it? Hard to believe that we are at that point today. Since early March, yeah. yeah. It's been a great run. It has been a brilliant gardening year, I it think. Has. And people have really enjoyed it, embraced some new things. Last week, I know we were talking a lot about garden design. Uh, today, we're going to start off talking a little bit about autumn colour again. Leaves are starting to fall, I suppose, at well, this stage, and it, we can see that maybe over the last week or so. We we can, and it's been it's been the best autumn I think that mm. I can remember, certainly for autumn colour. Um, if 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 anything, plants have been growing right up until last week, until we've got the the first signs of, of frost, mm. and uh, the very mild temperatures, lack of wind. Um, has resulted in fantastic autumn colour this it's almost, year. It's, I mean, I, I know we tend to associate autumn colour with New England, we particularly do. in the United States, but in fairness, we've given them a run for their money this, year, this year. Yeah, it's and been I, really good. I was out walking around my own hometown of Roscommon over the last uh, week or two and down by the Lock Road and that, where there's fabulous uh, trees and leaves are just all on the ground, colour everywhere, really, really beautiful. It's, it's really, it's been a fantastic autumn. Now we are, over this weekend, getting back into mm. heavy frost. Yes, so I know. Possibly some frost tonight and certainly heavy frost on Sunday night. So and back to those westerly winds and rain next week. So it certainly is turning and we're going to see the leaves dropping very, very quickly. But I brought you in a couple of plants mm. that I uh, this particular plant I took a cutting of it this morning. This is beautiful. This is, this is liquid amber. You've often heard me we talk, talk about, about it, yes. Liquid amber. It's a very, very easy tree to grow. It makes a beautiful small to medium sized tree up to about 15 maybe 18 feet in height which is relatively small in a garden. During the summer months it's got beautiful green maple like leaves and um, that apple green colour and then as we come into autumn and particularly this autumn mm. it's they start to turn, the colour starts to turn in September so that particular plant you have in your hand is probably six weeks with that beautiful autumnal colour. It's gone to a really rich red now, a blood red colour. Um, it has been orange and yellows and shades of pink for oh, the last right. six weeks so, so it changes so from green right. so it, it starts green that's probably why we call it liquid amber liquid amber well, it, it, change. it gets its name from the um, the gum the actual resin that's in the tree the tree has a um, a resin type sap okay. yeah. um, that's used in lots of medicinal purposes but so it, it gets its name from that liquid amber and also the beautiful amber colour uh, in the autumn so it's a really easy tree very nice say if you're doing an avenue or you want to put a bit of colour in a mm. lawn or in a shrub bed. Um, remember it'll only grow to 15 to 18 uh, feet. You can actually prune it as a shrub as well. You can grow it as a shrub and it'll take up as a great plant, say, to fill a, a large bed or an mm. area. You can prune it back every couple of years and, and grow it to about six feet, maybe six feet in diameter. Yeah. So a really simple plant, very easy to grow. It'll, it grows very well here in the west of Ireland and just gives that fantastic autumn colour. When you see it as a full tree or a full plant, it's very you impressive. can really appreciate yeah. the colour. That There's a lovely texture to the leaves as well. Uh, yeah. They're very, they're kind of like almost velvet-like. They are. Smooth. Yeah, yeah very good, smooth, yeah. very soft leaf mm. and it's got that lovely maple-shaped mm. um, leaf. So that's very distinctive, um, yes. Very nice tree. A great time of year actually for <coughs> planting trees as we come into November now, even though we get into colder and wetter weather. This is the time of year um, that trees will be dropping their leaves. They're going into dormancy and it's the time that you can actually lift them, dig them out of the ground, transplant them or it's a great time to put in new trees. The other plant I brought you in is, an, is this is a plant called the smoke bush. Yes, I see these around quite a bit. Very easy plant again to grow. It's Cotinus cogigria, oh royal goodness. purple. So right. think of royal purple because that's the colour of the foliage. It's got this really dillisk-like colour that starts in March 
So the leaf comes on in March mm-hmm. with that really deep purple colour. It holds the colour right through then till early November. And as we go in now to the colder weather, it'll start to go an orangey colour, pinky, orangey, um, beautiful autumn colours. So that's Cotinus Royal Purple. Again, a simple shrub to grow. If you want a really easy to grow shrub, that's going to give you a lot of foliage colour. It does flower and that's the way it gets its, its name, the smoke bush, because the flowers are very similar to clouds of smoke on the they're kind of a greyish, greenish, uh, greenish colour. colour. Yeah. yeah, exactly, purplish colour. And um, they, they kind of sit up on the plant during the summer months and that's the way it gets its, it's the name of the smoke bush. But I like to grow it simply for its, its foliage colour. Yeah. If you plant it against uh, green leaf plants or yellow foliage plants or variegated plants, it contrasts very well. So I've got a plant here, a variegated hebe, just mm-hmm. to show you the contrast between the two. So the hebe has a yellow and green leaf, produces purple flowers during the summer, and you can see the contrast of the purple against it. So the purple will will show off variegated plants, variegated hollies, iliagnus, any plants, golden privet, variegated hebes, uh-huh. anything that you've got with a bit of bright right. splash of colour, the cotinus royal purple really works very well against it. No, it's a Beautiful, very easy yeah. shrub to grow. Cotinus will grow in height, I suppose, about five to six feet if you let it. Something similar in diameter. So again, a great plant to fill up a corner, fill up a bed. Um, really good for, for autumn colour. Right. The other nice plant I brought in is the common name for this plant is called dwarf bamboo. Now, it's not actually a bamboo, but we, they call it dwarf bamboo because it's, the leaves are similar to bamboo and it produces a, a slight a, stem. Yeah, and it's quite a bushy plant. It's a very bushy plant. It doesn't grow too high, so it grows... This is a plant, to give people the name of it, Nandinia. Nandinia blush pink. And the blush pink uh, describes the lovely pink foliage. It holds the leaf 12 months of the year, but particularly in the autumn as we go through winter, Mm. the leaf, as the weather gets colder, intensifies in colour. So you can see the green leaves here that it carry during the summer. The pink leaves are the young growth that it produces during the spring, summer, autumn period. And then as we go into winter, those leaves will change to a very, very rich reddish or purple colour. And they're, yeah, and very, again, very striking. And do they hold their leaves all year it's round? It's evergreen, yeah. yeah. It, so the red leaves will change back in spring. You'll get lovely green growth and pink new growth on the plant. Lovely pot, plant for a container or pot. It's totally hardy out yeah. of doors. It's more a kind of a ground covering shrub. So it'll grow in height about two feet, about maybe three feet in diameter. Good on a slope, a bank, the front of an, a, a border yes. uh, or in a pot or container. So that's Nandinia blush pink think of blush pink it's a really easy plant you'll see it if you go into your local garden centre it'll stand out because it's so colourful yes it's a really easy yeah, one really, yeah, it's quite stunning and, and then we have something with a little bit of deeper colour again we're back to the kind of the dusk have, uh, you, if you look at the leaf on this yeah, it's, it's actually very, it's very shiny looking leaf shiny yeah. it's curled Ooh, it's ribbed it's very uh, rigid isn't it and there's yeah. a lot of texture on it as well so it's a leathery type leaf this is a plant called Lacothia curly red and the curly red describes the red tips the young growth produce this lovely red coloration that curls as it's growing. Mm. So it's again a very, very simple plant to grow, holds the colour twelve months of the year. But like most red foliage plants, the colour intensifies as we go through the winter. So the colder the weather gets, the redder gets. and richer the colour gets. So again it's another nice plant to mix with variegated plants. Again like the variegated yes. eBay that I had or um, if you just want a bit of evergreen foliage colour to brighten up a border, then the Nadenia blush pink is really good or this uh, Lucothia 
um, curly red is a really, really nice yeah, plant. Yeah, because I suppose that can be a real challenge for people coming into the wintertime, you know, particularly if one is uh, very florally oriented during the summer and you've got lots of nice colour and then when it all dies off, things like can look awful, can. lean and miserable. <laughs> and Yeah, so kind of a little bit of this kind of planting will just bring that up to life again. It will indeed. Foliage colour, you cannot beat it because you've got it 12 months of the year, particularly with the Nandinia, mm. the Lacothia, the variegated Hebe. The Cotinus certainly holds its foliage for about nine months. It comes into leaf very early in March and it's still in full leaf as you can see and that'll last certainly possibly to the middle or the end of November just yet. So it's a great splash of purple colour. But there are also plants like Pittosporum Tom, the thumb, which again has got very, very dark black-like leaves, purpley black colour, which it retains 12 months a year. So plenty of evergreen plants. The other little plant I brought in is this small Ooh, winter heather. heather. So this is a variety called Kramer's Red. It's a really, really easy variety to grow. Um, slightly taller than most heather. So it's going to grow to about 18 inches, about a foot and a half in height. It's a quite a vigorous variety. Very good for filling a board or a bed. Mm. It's just beginning to flower, as you can, can see. see. There, yeah. And that will stay in flower until the end of April of this year. So it flowers right through nearly six months of colour maybe even to, into May. So you're uh, getting quite a turn out of it. Irrespective really. of yeah. the weather, the rain, the frost, mm. the snow, whatever we get, heathers will continue to flower point. right through the winter. Those particular varieties will grow on any garden soil. So you don't need lime-free soil or right. peaty soil. Okay. They grow on so any, no, right. no great preparation required. There isn't. Just bang it in and away we go. Plant it in, plant it in groups of fives or sevens or nines so they form one large clump. And again, they're terrific for for autumn colour. If you've got heathers in the garden, this mm. is the time of year as well, to underplant them with, with some spring bulbs. February gold or, or um, jet fire or any of those dwarf narcissi will look really well. If you plant them now, they'll come up through the heathers then in the springtime to give an, another splash of, of colour. So this is the time of year, I suppose, as we come into November. The other thing I would remind listeners is that the frost is coming. Yes. So if you've got geraniums or any tender plants... Yeah, so time to bring them in, I guess, at this stage. Time to bring them in, time to take some... If nothing else, take some cuttings from them. You'll root them from cuttings quite easily um, and you can allow the mother plants to remain out of doors and die away if you wish and, and just save some cuttings or else start taking them in now. Start reducing the watering, cut back on the watering, take off any dead flowers, dead leaves, start to dry them out. They'll overwinter in a bright windowsill in a cool room um, over the winter period. So any frost sensitive plants you mm. need to start thinking about protecting them now because tonight and tomorrow we're certainly going to get a, a good dart of frost and that's going to slow stop the growth you'll see the leaves falling off the trees. It's an indication that, that winter is coming. Uh, but it's also the time of year then that we can start transplanting plants. So if listeners want to move plants around, if they've got them in pots and containers, mm. they want to plant them in the ground, it's really good planting weather. But also if you've got some trees and shrubs and you want to transplant them somewhere else, then from next week on, it's perfect right. weather for, for, for moving them. It's also a good time of year as we go into November for planting trees, like I mentioned, with the liquid amber or cherries or whatever, but also for hedging plants. So beech in particular, um, laurels, privet, all of the, the traditional Beirut hedging plants. As we dip into next week, certainly by the middle of November, that's the time to start planting them. So get the soil prepared now. Spray off. You're planting hedges in lawn areas or um, areas with bits of weeds in yep. them. Use a little bit of weed killer this weekend because it's dry. Because today. it's dry and it's still enough anyway. It's not. I know it's a little bit of breeze here and there, yep. but you'll get a, you'll, you. Sh- you should get a good result. The from treatment it. will work very mm. well. I, I spray, sprayed a, a piece of grass about two weeks ago myself, and it's completely, completely gone. gone. Yeah. So it's it, it's still at this time of year you can you'll still get very good effect by applying a traditional mm. weed killer. So use something like the Weed Free 360. It won't contaminate the soil and um, you're good to plant then in two weeks' time.
or week's time. Great. So lots of opportunity, uh, conditions favourable for the weekend. So get out there and get it done and do keep an eye on uh, the, that kind of the winter colour. Yeah, yeah, because th- there are lots of options and now you can really see them yeah. uh, kind of in its because full colour. typically what we get is uh, people make a burst in March and April. They do. You know, they, they're back <laughs> after the winter. And they're sick looking at the bare spot or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. And the, and the, so many gardens are full of spring flowering mm. plants like flowering cherries mm. for Scythii forest flame you know the gardens are heavily weighted towards colour in in early spring early summer loads of hydrangeas as well but autumn can be a time of year where we neglect the garden we think out you know, we'll leave it till next year. Yeah. And um, but look, look, this is a really good time. Burying shrubs, for example, there are so many shrubs with beautiful berries. There's a lovely plant called Calicarpa, which has purple berries. Oh, really, the colour of barney, that rich oh. purple uh, <laughs> colour. It's a lovely shrub, Calicarpa. Very easy to grow, very distinctive, very unusual. Um, so that's quite a nice plant to look out for. Lots of skimmias with red berries, yes. pyracantha with yellow and orange berries. Um, but that car- calicarpa, uh, purple profusion is, is the variety. Purple profusion, great. A, a really nice plant, a lovely, lovely purple berries. I'll actually, yeah. I'll put a picture of it up Dude. on my Facebook account after the show and let just let people see it. And a really simple plant to grow as well. So think of burying plants as well that will offer a bit of winter colour. Okay, uh, we're going to start off with bulbs. Um, a friend gave me a lot of tulip and daffodil bulbs uh, recently. Now, I'm not ready to plant them in my garden yet, but will they keep until spring or can I put them into pots of compost? They're the sort of friends you want, aren't they? Yeah, well done. <laughs> <I> give you <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice present. Well, this is the time of year for planting bulbs. So uh, if you're not ready to plant, yes, put them into pots and containers. Um, so if there's daffodils, uh, get yourself maybe a six or eight inch pot, regular garden compost. You can actually plant two layers in the pot so a small bit of compost in the bottom of the container put maybe three or four bulbs another layer of compost another three or four bulbs cover them with compost firm it in well and leave it out of doors uh, until February or March of next year and then you can plant those they'll root during the winter season they'll start to grow in January and early February Mm. and then you can plant them exactly where you want them to flower uh, next early next spring so pot them all up now uh, leave them out of doors there's no care really. They let the wind and the rain and the frost at them, and they'll be perfect. Just fine. get them into some kind of soil. Really, exactly. Is what Don't we're leave them because if you leave them until the springtime, they just, will the, they wither off or well, the, the, sprout? Interesting enough, the uh, if you dissect it, a flower bulb, uh-huh. the embryo, the flower embryo, is already formed within the bulb. Okay, so so if you leave it over the winter period, the chances are is that flower embryo dies. So okay. your bulb is... So the bulb will grow, you get nice green leaves, but the flower is the fl- dead oh, inside. So the flower and you might get a very poor, poor flower. flower. So it's a flower embryo. It's a, literally, so if you dissect it in half, you'll actually see the embryo of the flower. So in theory, all the bulbs need to grow is moisture uh-huh. and, and heat. heat. So they don't need any nutrition because the flower is already formed within the bulb. So, you know, years ago, sitting them up on the old milk bottle on a windowsill probably right. before your time. <laughs> Or you can get the little scented hyacinths and, yeah. and a little scented hyacinth um, glass bowl that you literally just fill with water. You sit the bulb on top. The roots, because they're touching the water, initiate and start to grow into the water and the plant, the bulb itself starts to grow. So it needs no nutrition. The, everything is contained within the bulb to yeah. actually make it grow. So when we talk about, like, if we go back to, say, late spring and daffodils and they're dying back, really, mm. you know the way, I suppose, the advice is that one lets them die back Six naturally. Weeks, yeah. Yes. Um, so really, that's where all the nutrition is Absolutely. coming from at the time. Exactly. So after that, it needs no real nutrition. No, well, what happens when the daffodil goes out of bloom in, say, March or the April's, mm. The leaves elongate, they get longer to take in more sunlight. 
So the plant is actually producing energy and food and building the bulb up for next yeah. year and it's forming the, the flower, flower embryo bril. in June, July. That's the time of year. Okay. The nurseries then in Holland harvest them in August, put them into bags for us and put them on sale. So it's very important that six week period after flowering that the bulb is allowed to, to, to grow. We often recommend feeding them yeah. to build them up for the following year. So going back to the listener's question, yes, get them into pots and containers now, leave them out of doors and then you've got yourself a whole series of colour that you can plant anywhere in the garden in March next year. Now the next question is probably a bit on the subjective side but which do you feel is better the purple or green beech I want a nice colourful hedge up to about 7 feet in my garden and when is the time to plant well they're both equal the only difference really in the two is is the foliage colour mm. the, the foliage of purple beech is exactly similar to the cotinus I showed you it's got that yes. really deep it's quite colour. stunning yeah. lovely but equal, they're both equally as hardy in the winter time when the leaf withers and stays on the tree you wouldn't know the difference between a purple beech and a green beech because they both I mean, just kind of go brown they, they go brown but the leaf but stays on the on, plant yeah. so if you want to add colour to your garden then I would I would go with the purple beech it's, 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 it'll offer that lovely there's something very rich looking oh, I think about lovely. the purple beech yeah. when they come into leaf certainly in, in May they're you know, so rich so glossy really healthy it's a beautiful hedge and it's a great way of injecting a bit of colour into your garden so if they lawn, the green lawn is running up to the beach hedge why not go for a purple beach hedge all the one colour, it'll really look spectacular. Yeah and apart from that there are no other considerations you know um, that one grows faster, the, the, no, there are needs no. a different same, kind of attention or no, anything like that Exactly the same. Yeah, so similar, the spec is the same the spec is the same. The colour is different. Exactly you might find the purple beach will be a little bit more expensive to buy initially Okay. Uh, then green. Green tends to be cheaper. Right. Uh, but I think if you want to inject a bit of colour in the garden, then the purple beach is beautiful. Okay. A really great hedge. Now, thank you for your recommendation for killing the lawn moss. It worked brilliantly great. and very quickly. So what is the next step? Actually, it's one or two mossy questions. Um, I might try and lump some of these together. Um, th- anyway, what's the next thing there? Do we feed the lawn? There are some bare patches. Yes. Now, we also have somebody else who has had okay. a bad experience with killing the lawn moss and they used sulphate of iron right, uh, on a small lawn for moss. <laughs> now, they'll admit they probably put on too much on it. Uh, Everything <clears> is now completely black. What are they going to do? Well, that's the way sulphate of iron works. Yeah. It works by caustic action. It's so a it's burning, burning action. Yeah. And it's very fine. So it's very difficult if you're putting it on with, with your hand or whatever. Don't be heavy-handed. Well, that's the problem with yeah. it. Um, and it, it burns the grass and it also burns the moss and it burns the weeds. So you end up with this black... Um, now, having said that, it will burn the, the grass back to soil level. So it's going to look miserable for probably three to four weeks. But yeah. the grass will actually regrow. And um, so my advice really is take out the lawnmower, tidy up the lawn, just cut off, tidy it up, um, leave it alone for uh, a couple of weeks. The grass will start to grow back again. If there are any bare patches, large bare patches after putting the sulphur of iron down, reseed those now. Get yourself a small bit of um, repair seed or lawn seed and just mix it with compost and put it onto the areas. It'll germinate over the next couple of weeks. Um, So that's the thing with sulphur of iron. It does burn. The previous listener probably used the zero, which yes, is a liquid. Yes, so, that's what I gather. Yeah. yeah, it's a liquid. It's easier to put on, and you don't get this burning. The same. Okay, burn. you don't they, get have the burning a, they have a couple of bare patches too, though, because obviously okay. it was quite mossy. Yeah. So, so in that instance, in the first question, then the advice really is just to feed the lawn now, mm-hmm. put on a slow-released autumn fertilizer, and reseed the areas, and the lawn will be in tip-top condition for the spring. But it is the time of year 
irrespective of what you use to get rid of the mask because it's going to be we'll be back in March and, and it'll be the same and we'll old, be same here, old. we'll be here again yeah, <laughs> all going well <clears throat> now Park I have a large shed to cover with climbers want to cover it completely to avoid painting okay, uh, should yeah, I cover it idea. in all uh, one type of climber um, an ivy or a cotoneaster or would you recommend planting different types? Well, I think I think on a on a shed wall or a, or a barn wall, large area, mm. I think it looks better all the one. one. To be honest, yeah, um, and maybe go for something that's going to be self clinging. So you've got your choice. You've got a nice autumn colour. You've got the lovely Boston ivies or the Virginia creepers. You've got some great varieties of ivy. Um, ivy tends to get a bad name, but there are some fantastic varieties with variegated foliage and really good colour. They self cling. They're fully evergreen. They'll clothe the shed and hide the wall completely. Now, once they're established, then you could introduce some flowering climbers through them. Mm. So once you've got the ivy pretty much up on the wall and covering the wall, introduce some clematis or solanums, which will flower or honeysuckle during the summer months and add... Just give you a bit of variety. Exactly, a little bit of colour to it. But rather than putting a whole mixture of different climbers, you're better with the one as a foundation plant to let that cover the overall building and then introduce some flowering. And plants like uh, clematis and solanums will use the ivy for support. They'll scramble up through it, they'll latch onto it, and then the flowers will pop out through them. Okay. So... Yeah, and a good time, actually, for putting in climbers. Initially, if you're putting ivy on, you need to clip it onto the wall. It needs to get the feel of the wall, first of all. So a few electrician clips. Bend the stems low to the ground. So when you buy the ivy, take it off its bamboo cane, spread it very close to ground level, within two inches of soil level, pin it onto the wall at that point, and then let it up the wall. And once it gets a feel of the wall, it'll self-cling itself. Um, Space the plants about a metre apart. Give it a couple of years, it'll completely cover the area. The variegated varieties are easy to trim and easy to maintain around the edge of the, the shed and then introduce maybe some summer flowering climbers okay, through so it just for a bit of variety. So kind of a step approach really. Yeah, step yeah, approach. So stay, stage one go and with, then go with, see how it looks and yeah. then, then make your informed decision. Pyracantha is another nice, lovely, you know, it's more a wall shrub um, which gives lovely flowers and berries. Sea and Otis is another really nice plant, Californian lilac. It's got blue flowers, evergreen foliage, blue flowers in the summer. That makes a nice wall plant as well. But I'd plant the shed with one, pick one that you particularly like and go with it. Now, a mm. red type of red algae growing on my house walls, stain very running common. down the west mm. facing wall. Can so I very touch it with something? Yeah, before very common paint. this year. So yeah. that's, that's a, that is a red, mm. red algae. It's a form of algae that you'll t- particularly see on exposed walls where they're getting a lot of moisture yeah, wa- or, from or, the west. Or walls that have never been painted. Never been yeah. painted, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a treatment you can use as a specific product made by Hygieia. Um, I think they call it red mould algae or right. red, red algae remover. It's a specific, it's a liquid. You mix it with water, you spray it on a dry day. It should work within seven to ten days. It'll kill the algae on the wall and then you can paint it straight away. Or use the pack as well. You'll yeah. find the pack effective on algae as well. It kills, it's normally used for moss, moss on, on tarmac, Adam, yeah. but it'll work on a wall as well. And again, a dry day like today would be ideal to get it on. Absolutely. Elsie grew some garlic, but there are no bulbs. Why was this? <laughs> well, it depends on the time of year you plant. Garlic nearly needs nine to 12 months to grow. So we'll all oh, often, well, we'd, we'll recommend planting garlic at this time of year for harvesting in September of next year. So it needs a very, very long growing period. So it really depends when Elsie planted the So bulbs. maybe it just hasn't been had enough time in time the ground. Time to, harv- to, to mature yet. So if it was planted, say, in June or July or August, it's going to need the winter period. It's going to be next April or May before the bulbs actually form. Um, so maybe just give it a little bit more time. 
Okay. And carrots were set in August. How do we go about harvesting them? Well, again, similarly, in August, I mean, they're only in the ground two months now, so you, you leave them alone. There are winter varieties like varieties like Eskimo that can be planted in the autumn or early winter period. They grow during the winter season and you harvest them then in May and June of next year. So really you do nothing with them at the moment. Let them overwinter um, and you'll pick those carrots in early spring, late spring of next year. Now, dahlias are still blooming really great show of colour this year. How do I save them for next year and when do I lift them? Well, you lift them now once the frost uh, uh, hits them. I mean, dahlias will continue to flower until we get some severe frost. So you leave them alone. You keep deadheading them and tidying them up until the frost actually kills them back or blackens them. At that stage, you dig the tuber from the soil Mm -hmm. and you'll notice the tuber will be possibly a foot in diameter. It'll be six or eight inches deep. Um, You dry it. So you you cut off any of the stems, leave it sitting maybe in a greenhouse or a tunnel or in a shed, allow the soil to dry and fall off the tubers and then they need to be wrapped up in newspaper or garden fleece and stored in a frost-free dry location. So a garden shed, um, greenhouse wouldn't be protective enough so a garden shed, an attic, somewhere like that. So dry them off for the winter once the frost kills them back, cut all the stems off, take off all the the, uh, soil wrap them up in newspaper. You could dust them with a little bit of sulphur. You can get a sulphur called yellow sulphur. It's a fungicide. You just dip dab it on the um, tubers and it stops any rot getting into the tubers over the winter. Leave them in an attic or a garage for the winter, then repot them in February. And the beauty about lifting them is that it gives you the opportunity to divide them next year. So from the one dahlia tuber, you're able to maybe make four or five new pieces next year in February and March. So it's really only a matter of keeping them frost-free for the winter. Okay. And presumably be a bit judicious now with the sulphur. You don't want to use too much of it. Well, you you can use it. No, no. It's specifically used for um, the the yellow sulphur specifically used to stop uh, tubers Tubers. rotting. So if you're saving any tubers of any plants, you dress it onto the um, thing. You won't over... You you you, won't over sulphur it. It comes out like talking powder yeah. so just a small dab on them wrap them up in the newspaper that keeps them perfectly safe for the winter lovely the main thing is to dry them well allow them to dry for maybe two weeks you know allow the compost and, and soil right. to dry really well yeah. and um, so they should be like you buy them in the shops yeah. you know in, in February when you buy yeah. them they're, they're quite they're dry yeah. they look they look shriveled Shrivels. up nearly yeah. and that helps to store them well I have a sloped garden which has grass growing on it. Very hard to mow it. You mentioned some plants I can use to grow and cover slopes. Uh, could you just give them a little mention again? I know we, we, did, we, we, we talked about the garden design last yeah. week and I know this kind of came up on it. And the point we were making last week, Terry mm. and I, was that areas like that that are difficult to mow and diff- difficult to maintain, you're better off to under- underplant them with ground covering plants. So the first thing to do is to spray off the area, get rid of the grass and weeds that are there and then plant it up. And when you're planting ground covering plants, put them in clusters of fives or seven of the one type. And there's a whole range. There's a lovely plant called uh, Prescaria, which is um, a very fast ground covering plant that produces both red and pink flowers. But the interesting thing about the plant is that as it's growing, it actually roots along the soil. So you start with a plant that might be only a foot in diameter. Within two to three years, it's five feet in diameter and it has rooted as it's growing along. Great plant for um, suppressing weeds, great ground covering plant, very long flowering pl- period. It starts in April and goes right through. It's still in flower at the moment. So that's persicari. It's a really good plant. Winter heathers that we talked about earlier are great on banks and slopes. Vinca, which is a ground cover periwinkle. It's a small blue flowering mm-hmm. shrub. Uh, variegated foliage, nice pink flowers. 
Look, there's lots of this ground covering sea and otis, ground covering conifers. Pop into your local garden centre. Look for the ground covering plants. Put them in groups of fives or sevens and that will take the whole bank. It'll look really well yeah. and cut down on the maintenance the, for you. Right. Underplant with some spring bulbs as well, which would look well. Yeah, yeah. So you look, and a good time of year to do that. Lots of do good colour then yeah. throughout for the, for, the, for, the, for the first part of next year. So a listener would like to plant a tree to mark the birth of his grandson or ah. her grandson. Not sure which. Last weekend, what tree would be appropriate? Well, I suppose we talked about some of that already. Well, we some did. nice and options there. Yeah, and, and that's it. Maybe pick a tree that's going to look spectacular every uh, Halloween weekend or, or, or November, the beginning of November. So the liquid amber would be a beautiful tree to put in because it will have, as I said, it's, it's colouring for the last five or six weeks. So every late October, early November, you're going to have that really spectacular colour. So liquid amber for me would be really nice. The other trees that are, are quite attractive at the moment are the Malice family. They're full of berries. Uh, they're quite uh, colourful at mm. this time of year and always berry um, in early November. Um, some of the maples as well are colouring really nice. Um, so autumn blaze is another really nice tree. If you've got a big air space and you want to fill it up, then that's quite a nice tree. Autumn blaze, lovely colour. Um, so any of those maybe the liquid amber be a lovely tree it'll always colour this time of year hard to beat in fairness easy yeah it is and it's very colourful and and simple to grow and and you'll buy it now at kind of six maybe seven feet tall so they're quite large even with putting it in so you know it'll mark the spot straight away now what would be the cause of a lot of black spots on apples they were picked off the tree they didn't have any contact with ground well they don't have to have contact with the ground to have black spots Um, apples pick up things like apple scab and again remember the summer you know the June July period it was quite wet um, and there's quite a good bit of apple scab around at the moment so Mm -hmm. apple scab is brown or black pitting on the skin of the foliage or or the skin of the fruit Mm -hmm. of the apple generally after a wet summer and uh, the, the trees will the, the scab will literally just land on the apples so like blight on potatoes it doesn't need to touch the soil um, having said that the scab is only skin deep so, so you the can apples it you it'll be fine. peel it or you can actually eat the skin so no consequence whatsoever you can actually eat the, the skin if you, dry, if you store the fruit generally um, the you know the scab just dries up anyway but so they are totally edible you can peel them if you wish and use them um, they won't store particularly well they'll store for maybe two or three weeks um, so you need to use them fairly quickly and to prevent it next year just get it yourself some fungicide something like rose clear mm. put it on to the apples after flowering so wait for the bees to pollinate the, the, the fruit when the fruit are about marble size that's the first stage to put on a bit of treatment even some blight treatment um, that we use on potatoes could be used on apple trees as well just to prevent scab, scab. Okay. mildews that sort of thing coming on the foliage and, and fruit Okay, great. Uh, now, is it too late to cut back roses and clip back trees? I suppose there's a few questions in yeah, in, the gen- in the general sense. Tidy enough. Yeah. Well, remember that roses are still flowering. Mm. So if they're still blooming, enjoy the blooms. Continue to deadhead them. The, the weather isn't cold enough to, the, to stop them flowering just yet. So I would kind of keep the colour going, as it were, just by keeping the plants tidy. If your roses have gone out of flower completely and there's no sign of new buds, then you can cut them back at this time of year. Reduce them by two-thirds. So if they're three feet high, take two feet off them, reduce them back to at least a foot, maybe six inches from soil level, clean them up, tidy them up, take any old dead leaves or stems off them and you've put them into dormancy then for the winter. But many roses are still blooming and will continue to bloom possibly up to Christmas. And if they do, then that's the time to prune them back. So there's no rush yet to... To cut back. back trees in general, yes. If you wish to tr- prune them back, the only one not to prune are things like cherries. Yes. Anything in the in the cherry yes. family, you leave the pruning of those until they finish flowering in early April or May. Now I sowed a privet hedge. 
What can I feed it to make it grow fast? Nothing. <laughs> and you won't need to feed privet. But Take yeah, my word for it. It'll grow, don't it's worry. It's <laughs> very, very vigorous. Now, a tip for listeners that are putting in new hedging plants, make sure you cut off the tops of the hedge. So if you've bought the privet plants and they're two or three feet high, take at least six to eight inches off the tops of them, all the branches, prune them back. It seems a shame to do it, but what you're encouraging the plant to do is to fill from the base, to grow from the base as we come in in early spring. So make sure you prune them all back. So take an overall height and you might take a foot off some of them or you might take six inches off others. Prune them all back to within an even height. So if they were all three feet high or within close to three feet, reduce them back to two feet um, and that's it. Don't feed them at this time of year. Plants are, are dormant, the roots are growing, but you don't need to feed them until we get into March and April of next year. So t- trim them back, leave them alone and uh, feed them next March with something like the Osmo Pro 6 would be fine. Perfect. I have a lot of green scum on my greenhouse glass after okay. the summer. What's the best to remove that? Well, you, you can actually use the pack treatment. You know the one we yep. use for the... For the moss. The, for the, on uh, the hard surfaces. Exactly. Use that on your greenhouse inside and outside. Make sure there are no plants there. So mm. tidy up the glass house first of all. Clean it out and then use the pack. The, the, the um, algae and, and green moss will just die away. And the other thing you could do with greenhouses is to put in the smoke bomb at this time of year to get rid of any overwintering pests. Um, so just light that, leave it in the centre of the greenhouse, close up the greenhouse for two hours and that'll kind of sterilise and clean your glass house or tunnel. Now, uh, we talked about uh, patches in the lawn that were bare. Here's a square patch in a lawn that's very lush grass. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a dog around? Uh, Sounds like it. Yes. (laughs) Any advice on how to slow down its growth? The rest of the grass is growing normally. Keep the dog in. Because the dog's urine has high in ammonia and they always get that kind of uh, lush patch. you know, and, and if, if the soil is particularly rich for any reason in that area, you'll get some um, or particularly sheltered. Look, at grass is going to slow down very quickly. We're still mowing grass, so if listeners can get out and the ground conditions are dry and the grass is dry, continue to mow for another week or two. Uh, but look, at it's going to slow down once we get into the frosty weather. It's not something you're going to have to worry about until next spring again. Yes. Can I leave a yucca plant out all winter or should I plant it out? A lot of dampness. Well, the, and somebody else had a question about, yeah, and somebody else, I know yuccas are not quite rubber tree, but Another somebody else had a rubber the real, tree. The real kind of uh, 60s, 70s plant, aren't they? The old yuck and the they rubber tree. They kind of have that vibe going on, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what that was really what was available, I suppose, back in this day. Yeah, they were kind of, I suppose they were, they were exotic. exotic. Yes, exactly. They were. I, I, I remember, yes, myself. Yeah. You so, to, 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 with the yuccas, there are actually outdoor yuccas. So there are shrub yuccas. Okay. Okay, so the, so you need to check out which variety. If it's the traditional indoor variety, which has the kind of bare stem and the little clump of leaves at the top, they are frost sensitive. Now, interesting enough, if you had a... Um, it's the wetness out of doors that kills them. Um, so if you had, say, an overhanging canopy and you planted in under that out of doors... It'd be okay. It'd be fine. If it was very dry, kind of a cornered area. But having said that, it is an indoor plant. If you want to keep it, I would keep it inside in a conservatory or a bright window. Cut back on the watering with yuccas. They need very, very little water over the winter period. The key thing that kills them is too much kindness and too much watering. So let the compost dry out between watering. Repot them every three to four years. They don't need a particularly big pot. And um, keep them in a a frost-free, bright location. So okay. you so remember that there are outdoor yucca plants. So just check which which variety you've had. But they tend to be more shrubby, and they're to, they're hardy out of doors. They're fine planted in free draining soil. Um, but the one I think the listener is talking about is the indoor variety. 
Great. And here's a, a rubber plant, uh, which I suppose is not terribly dissimilar. Nearly six foot tall, 30 years old. <laughs> Bought in Oregon. <laughs> nearly as old as myself, I know. Uh, don't want to lose it, but how will I calm it down? It's going great guns all together. Can it go outside? No. The rubber plant will disintegrate. Can we, can we trim it back? Yes, you can. Yeah. You, yes, and they do actually respond to pruning back. So you can prune them back. Now, I would leave the pruning until the springtime. Wait until February. So again, it's going to go into dormancy as well. Cut back on the washing on the on the um, the rubber tree. You can prune them back. Now, do expect them to bleed, and they have a white sappy substance. If you cut them, if you actually cut the leaf, you'll see a white, very like tipex. You know, the, oh, the yeah, colour that yeah, ti- that okay. type of material. Uh, will so don't 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 panic if you see it. You will see it. It, right. it will actually come out and it'll bleed for maybe half an hour. You'll see this white sap coming out, but that can be just cleaned off. But they do respond very well to pruning back, and um, do that in February, early March uh, of next year. Great. Now, Balin, a slow listener, wondering, could you tell us what winter flowers are best for window boxes? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a great choice at the moment. So, first of all, what I would do is, is clean out the, the, the window box, take, put in some fresh compost, just maybe an inch of compost, and plant some dwarf tulips. So, things like Pinocchio or um, Gluck is a lovely variety, or Red Riding Hood. Put a layer of tulips in the bottom of the, the window box. Put in some compost, and then plant them up with things like cyclamen are beautiful at the mm, moment. Fab, fab. And I have a, a window box at home with just cyclamen in them, with, with Pinocchio tulips, and they're just fabulous at the moment. It's really, really colourful. Um, so you can just do one theme if you want with all cyclamen, mm. or you can mix cyclamen with things like winter pansies, which will flower up till April of next year, winter violas, which are lovely at the moment, prim- primulas and polyanthus, trailing ivies to the to the foreground, to the front of the of the green of the uh, window box mm. to look really well. Winter heathers. Look, there's a whole range of great winter flowering plants that are totally hardy out of doors for the winter period. Plant them now. They should give you colour till April of next year. Okay. I pruned back my apple trees and gooseberries. Can I spray them now to kill the bugs for next year? I remember doing something with them last year, but I've forgotten what the item was. It's called, I think, called winter wash. And and it's used on fruit trees and roses just to get rid of any bugs that might be on the plant. So once, uh, as the listeners described, you prune them back, first of all, and then you apply the winter wash onto the stems and that cleans them cleanses the actual stems of bugs and bug eggs and so on for, for, next, for year. next year. So it's a good way to kind of, I suppose, start them off after pruning. Will weed-free 360 kill nettles and thistles? Yes, it will. But the nettles are dying back now. So the, 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 the way that weed-free 360 works, it's absorbed by the foliage of plants. It enters into the, the veins, as it were, of, of mm. the, the weed and goes down into the root. So the nettles need to be in full leaf, nice and green, nice and healthy. Apply it onto the foliage and it'll kill it within two, two weeks. It doesn't contaminate the soil. That's the key thing about it. So if you are planting new plants or putting something new in, you don't get any contamination of the soil. A caller has a snowdrop in flower in the window box. Is this Very unusual? unusual? Yeah, that's yeah. question. Yeah, it's really unusual but to have it flowering so, so early, early in November. I mean, sometimes you see them in late December. Or, you know, Christmas time would be a very to have snowdrops flowering even at Christmas is very early. So that's very unusual. Um, maybe send us a picture in. Absolutely, just to yeah. see. Just have a look, look at it and it. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. It's very Because one unusual. imagines, like, we have to have. Do we have to have the cold weather first before well, the, the snowdrops? The bulbs start if, with all bulbs. If you lifted a uh, daffodil or tulip or, or a snowdrop in July and August, it's initiating roots already at that time of year. It's producing lovely white mm-hmm. new roots. It's preparing itself for the autumn. So they start to grow in late summer, early autumn. Mm. Um, now, if it's in a very sheltered spot, um, for some reason, it's triggered into growth. 
Okay. It's Beyond. happy. Um, brown spots on roses, even though I've fed and looked after them. I live on an island. Sheila, good morning. Well, the brown spots could be anything from black spot to uh, just even physical marks. You know, if we get um, heavy rain or we get a lot of wind, you get brown markings on, on roses. The key thing, look, at they're going to drop their foliage very soon. The new growth, that's the time to prune them back and prepare them for next year. Um, and really, my advice with roses is you feed them once a month and put on the something like Rose Rescue or the Rose Clear you know, again, this this year has been a year for disease in general. With when we get that level of moisture, um, and on a, on an island in a windy spot mm. in seaside areas, plants are going to pick up marks just down to weather conditions. Never mind disease, disease problems. Yeah. Um, they're getting a bit of they're getting a bit. They're going to get a batter. Yeah. They're going to get a bet, and an odd bit of brown marking is going to do the plant no harm whatsoever. They'll be perfectly fine. So remember, all the leaves are going to drop anyway in another week or ten days and uh, you'll get nice, nice fresh growth ne- for next year. Now, speaking of windy areas, Carmel is wondering, is beech tree hardy enough for a windy area? Well, beech is very slow growing. Yeah. Um, so it's not a tree I'd recommend generally for very exposed gardens or seaside areas. Okay. So if your garden is elevated or, or extremely exposed or um, in coastal areas, you're better off with something like Iliagnus abengii, which is a very, very good seaside hardy hedge. Um, perfect. It, it withstands the salt air and, and the high winds. So, but having said that, beech is very tough in terms of frost. It's widely planted in most gardens. So, if it's overly exposed or seaside, then avoid it. If it's more inland, then it's it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. And the, the thing with beech is that because it's slow growing, that's why I like it, mm. it needs very little maintenance right. in terms of, compared to the privet, yeah. the listen up that I put in the privet hedge, we'll be cutting that hedge twice Forever. a year. Well, tr- twice a year at least to keep it neat and tidy. Yeah. Whereas a beech hedge, you trim it once a year and that's it. Yeah. Um, I have a golden crest Wilma plant oh, yeah. at the side of the front door. What's a golden crest Wilma plant? There you go. I'll give you top marks if you can tell Well, me. I'm asking the <clears> question, <throat> so I mustn't it's know a, the answer. <laughs> it's, a, it's a conifer. Right. And it, here's one. We, we were actually asked about this plant. So this is gold crest um, Wilma. So it's a very bright golden conifer in the Macrocarpa family. Looks beautiful when it's young. <laughs> However, does it not age gracefully? <laughs> but it grows to 30 feet. Right. And we had a question in a couple, maybe last year where somebody planted them on a grave, if you remember, oh, and there were six they were or seven taken, feet. Taken over. Yeah. yeah, and and so it is a, it's a plant. So first of all, to answer the question, it's totally hardy out of doors, so leave it out. Um, it's often used as a centrepiece in pots and containers to add a bit of colour. Um, but do remember, be careful where you plant it because Macrocarpa is a big lump of a plant and it will it doesn't take to pruning very well um, so you just have to be careful where you plant it long term um, so it's fine in the pot out of doors um, it'll probably last in the pot for maybe three or four years at that stage it'll get too big and you'll want a small little plant again and start it off again so it's perfectly fine out of doors but do be careful where you plant it long term certainly don't put it on a grave <laughs> Can you sow green manure in the soil now for a veg garden next year? Yeah, and just to explain to people what green manure is. Green manure is a natural plant. It's a seed. You sow it at this time of year. It germinates, it grows, and then you dig it back into the soil and it adds much needed nutrition and fibres to the soil. So a lot of the organic growers will use green manures. It also helps to keep weeds at bay during the winter period. The, the answer is yes. yes. Sow the seed now. There's a whole range of different green manures. The best one I find is one called Facelia because it's great for the bees. It's really simple to grow. Beautiful blue flowers in April and May if you sow it at this time of year. So just simply rake your soil, get some Facelia seed, throw it on it, 
rake it in and away it'll germinate within two or three weeks and grow during the winter period. Okay, I'm afraid we are going to have to call a halt to it there. We'll have to put a stop. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm going to look forward to my next couple of weeks off anyway. Uh, well, you deserve them because it has been a, a brilliant gardening year. I know we've all uh, benefited from the conversations, myself Great. included, good, good, good. over the last while. So, um, so we'll be back in March to Time to pause and all again. rest with the plants for now. And exactly. Back in action then. And look, it's been a pleasure. Thanks Thank a million. And thanks for all the calls. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to all of you who tune our way every Saturday morning, uh, thanks indeed for uh, all the questions over the year. And as I said, we hopefully will be back in action again. Come springtime 2017. It seems like a long way off at the moment. Anyway, that's it from us for now. Michael Neary on the way next with the very best in country right through until one o'clock here on Midwest Radio. Have yourselves a great weekend. I'm back next Saturday just after seven. Till then, good morning.